0: As you were coming in, you may have noticed a track rack, a couple of track racks uh, there. One of them on the right, depending on where you're standing, is, uh, is about answering spiritual questions. And so we keep trying to grow those out every year, uh, add new topics. And the other side is about resources for spiritual growth. And when you look at some of these resources, they seem pretty basic. There are things like basic training in prayer and an introduction to the Bible and God's will for you in the local church. But that's really where growth happens a lot of times. Peter in 2 Peter 3, verse 18, says, To grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. How do we grow in grace? How do we increase? in the amount of grace that that we receive from the lord sometimes you, you might think well either you're saved or not that's that's great but god's grace shows up in so many different ways god's blessing god's undeserved favor and kindness towards us and we, God wants us to grow in it, to receive even greater grace as we keep growing in him. Haven't you found it to be the case that you keep knowing him better, keep appreciating his blessings more and finding more blessings constantly as we grow in our knowledge of him? There's this quote that a couple of us were talking about the other day. So we were talking about the, the church. It's from Oliver Wendell Holmes, Sr., poet and physician. He said, for the simplicity on this side of complexity, I wouldn't give you a fig. But for the simplicity on the other side of complexity, that I would give you anything I have. That's a, that's a big quote. That seems pretty heavy duty. So did you get what he's saying, though? No. On this side of compla- complexity, well, that's just, you know, just, just something basic. There's, there's not much to that. You just haven't even scratched the surface of what is true and good and deep and meaningful and rich and wonderful. But on the other side of complexity, you know what you find? The deeper you get into something, have you ever had somebody who really understands something deeply explain it to you? And it just makes sense. Like, that's not that complicated, actually, because they understand it so well. It comes down, it boils down to these simple things. And the more you grow in your faith, you find these simple things have such profound power. Things that were brought up to you when you were three. Things that were brought up as you first became a Christian. And people said, here's how you grow in the Lord. three Christian fundamentals that, I, that just seem like they touch every single sermon. Prayer. How's your prayer life? Are you talking to God about the good and the bad each day? Are you giving thanks to him? Is, are, you, are you engaging? Not just as an act. Not just, not just to the idea of God. But are you talking to your heavenly father? Are you talking to your God throughout the day? If your prayer life is strong, there's a pretty good chance that you will be growing in the Lord. And if it's not if, if other things are going wrong in your life is probably probably your prayer life is a place to look. Scripture second fundamental basic. Are you in the word? Are you constantly learning? Are you searching the scriptures daily like the Bereans? Are we seeking God's guidance? Are you excited to see what you're going to develop, what you're going to learn about Jesus, about God, about his people and how to walk with him? Do you realize every time you break this open, there is an opportunity to have a new threshold in your walk, in your growth, crossed into. You're in a new space because you're growing constantly by reading the same words you've been reading for 30 years. But there's more. There's always more. And the church, how's your bond with God's people? Are you plugged in to the local body? I, I used to... Almost, I won't say I feel embarrassed, but almost like it it just seems so obvious to me whenever I first started preaching that, boy, you get to the application part of every text and it feels like your three points are prayer, the word, and the church. Because these are things that are so fundamental to growing and being engaged and growing in grace. So I want to focus on this third one. This morning God's gift of the local church what a blessing what a beautiful design God has created in the local church I want to talk about a bunch of different points eight different points but about this basic idea first of all God wants Christians to assemble with the church I think you guys know that because you're here, and I'm glad you're here. God wants us to come together. This is something we saw throughout the the New Testament as we get to Acts 2 immediately. What can't the the congregation of God's people wait to do? They constantly are together, coming together. And, And Acts 2, verse 42, describes some of the things that they do. Eventually, it seems, we read... Maybe a generation later, uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews is looking back to some of those things, uh, s- still somebody who is a prophet writing this, and, and he says, some of you are starting to get away from this practice that's so important, to come together. And he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't give it up. Don't stop coming together. Keep coming together. You need this to stir each other up. The verse before, verse 23, talks about drawing near to God. So there's a sense of worship. There's a sense of edification. There's a sense of encouraging one another to make sure we keep meeting together. And God wants Christians to be part of a local church. Well, didn't you just say that? You said assembly. No, there's a difference. You understand? Does that make sense? There is a difference between coming to an assembly of a church and being part of a local church. I could, I could come constantly to an assembly, but not say, I want to be part of this church. I place myself under the, the leadership of these shepherds. I want to be working with this. I want people to call me and say, hey, why haven't you signed up to teach something over here? What are you, how are you going to be involved in the work of this church? I want to be engaged as a member, a functioning member of the body or of the family. I think some people think of it and you think of it like membership like you know like a Sam's Club or Costco membership or what, why do I need another membership you know I pull out my wallet I've got all these membership cards cuz so we're thinking like club membership that's not what the word member means in the Bible the idea of being a member comes from comes from this idea in scripture that you are a body part of a body. That's what it means to be a member. A member, it's it's just an old English word for a part of a body, of of a human body. In other words, it's built on this metaphor that we, both in the universal body of Christ, the church everywhere, and then in these local groups, we are a part Of a whole we are one piece that is unhealthy by itself you cut off a finger what is it you take a heart out it's the most valuable part I mean it's such a important part of keeping your body alive but you take it out and it's dead and so we're we're meant to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves that is strengthened and blessed by the Lord himself You know, throughout Scripture, we find these groups gathered together. Romans 16, 16, the churches of Christ salute you. Well, I thought there was only one church. Well, there's one body of Christ. And yet then they gather together into these churches. Galatians, the churches of Galatia in Galatians 1 or or, um, 1 Corinthians 1 to the church in Corinth, the church of God in Corinth. And so this this word church, ecclesia, has to do with these local gatherings and with this bigger body. It it just in the in the Greek language, what this meant was the summoned gathering of the citizens. Everyone, the the assembly of all that were summoned. And they would. In the early democratic versions that they had in their cities, they would call out a body to decide things, to be together, to talk about things. And that's the word Ecclesia. And so it's it's not just the assembly, it's the body itself that has been called out of the world and has come together to work together to. Share this common task and build each other up. Or are you part of a local church? It's worth thinking about. Third, God wants Christians to work. To the work we sometimes sing. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Go therefore and make disciples. Let's pause here. Actually, if we were translating this more literally, it would say going, therefore, and it's a passive ongoing. make disciples. Make disciples is the only imperative, only command form of the verb in this whole passage. So we see going and making, I'm sorry, going and baptizing them and teaching them are all supporting this one command. Make disciples This is the central work. This is what Jesus calls us to. Make disciples. Train people to be followers and imitators of Jesus. Here we are, back to the basics. The great Commandments and the Great commission. How fundamental can it be? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandments. The great commission. Jesus, after having risen from the dead, says, "All authority is given to me. Now make disciples and teach them to keep doing that too. Every generation, making disciples, you're teaching them to do all of the things that I have told you." It's basic. But it's profound. (laughs) It's, It's fundamental to who we are. To work together. And so in the picture of the body in Ephesians 4, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. That's... That's Annette and Hannah and, and Amanda and Nolan and Bob and Judy is a joint. The whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. God has equipped us with Bev and Laura. God has equipped us with Louis and Monty. With every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body is a working group meant to build itself up. And so we work together. We don't just work individually as Christians at large, but we find right from the beginning these works of evangelism, taking the gospel to the lost, and edification, building each other up, and and of worshiping together, and of uh, giving... Caring for the needs of needy saints among them. And God wants Christians to work together in the local church. The the body as a whole wasn't a working group. But these local churches in Corinth and in Jerusalem and in Antioch were working as a team. Because we have a shared project. And it's a building project. You are, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, God's field. God's building. Two different pictures. In fact, Paul loves to mix these metaphors. <laughs> he, he loves to talk about a body, an organic, like human body, that gets built in a construction project. And he uses construction terms to talk about building this body. And then he uses organic terms to describe this construction project. He says, I love, I, I, I want you to grow... As a building, as a temple. And so it's like this organic thing that is the, the church of God. And this is not just a shared project for us. This is a shared project we share with God. God is our partner. <laughs> and he's the majority partner. And so we're working together to build his body, to, to stretch the, the kingdom. It's a beautiful thing to be able to partner up so are you involved have you found places to work to contribute jobs that you can do there is work that we all can do and fifth god wants christians to build relationships with other christians the church as as we we all know i hope is not the building (laughs) My wife taught my kids something, something like this. It's like, um, here's the building. <laughs> How does it go? Yeah, here's the building. Here's the steeple. <laughs> Open the doors. The church are the people. She's trying to like mime it for me over here so I get it right. <laughs> this is what our kids do because the, it's not here is the church. <laughs> it's here's the building. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. The church is the people. <laughs> And it's not just the people as individuals, it's the, it's the people as a called out body who have agreed to work together under common leadership with this, with this common fund, with this common focus. That is a local church. And so then we have this opportunity to stand side by side, striving next to each other. Philippians one twenty seven, side by side. And to strengthen each other. To Romans 12.10, to prefer each other in honor and to be hospitable. Romans 12.13, to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. James 5.14, to confess our sins to one another. Not because we have the power to forgive sins in each other. That's God. But because there is strength in that kind of relationship where we're sharing our lives with each other. And our faith with each other and our failures with each other, and we're walking together in Him. Earlier this year, when we had our men's gathering, our men's weekend, and we were all together, and I, I feel like there were a lot of conversations that we all had about, man, I so treasure these friendships and the Lord, this brotherhood that we have. We gotta do this more. We have to find more ways to just be together. And, and I know that's happening. And I love those who are, I'm so grateful for those who are organizing this. Because I have to admit, I get busy. And it is hard sometimes to find that time to do all the things we talked about in that, that we want to do. All the things I dream about. Oh, I so want us to do this. And Adrian and I talk about it. And and two months go by. And it's like, ugh, we got to make time for this. Are you finding the time to invest in these eternal, lasting friendships, these relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ? Seventh, God wants Christians to look out for each other. Cain asked this question. You remember this question? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, in a way, yeah. Yeah, in a way, you are. Each of us will answer, answer for our own choices. But we find throughout Scripture... James 5 says, at the last two verses of the book, the one who goes to a brother who's caught in sin and brings them out, saved a soul from death. We need the support. We need spiritual support. And we need accountability. I think of it like, like a personal trainer. Right? It is easier to make sure you are at the gym at six in the morning, four days a week, and you get your reps in, when you know somebody's gonna call you on it, if you don't, right? It's just easier to sleep in if nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody knows, nobody even knows you had that intention. Well, we are a spiritual support group. That's another way of explaining, that's not Bible words, But that's another way of explaining what we do here. And so we nudge each other forward. And we say, hey, what are your goals this year? And we say, hey, how are you doing with that? And we say, hey, great talk. Here's a thought that I had that made made me think about. And we just support each other. And accountability is not always fun, right? Like, wouldn't it be nice sometimes if somebody would just let you off the hook? But that's part of what we provide. You see, this is the gift of the church. I think some folks, maybe, I'm not, I've not heard anybody say this. But I get the impression sometimes that there's a line of thinking like this. I don't want to be a part of a local church because if I can stay back, then nobody's going to say, hey, why aren't you signing up to do something? And nobody, nobody can withdraw from me if I'm not living the right way because I already have withdrawn myself from them. And nobody as a leader can say you should follow what we're saying to do because they're not my leaders. And so it feels like it's a way to protect yourself. But actually, all of those things are God's way of protecting you. That you have a group of people saying, hey, come on, Let's all sign up and do this together. Hey, our leaders have given some direction and you have someone, I have someone watching out for us and trying to lead us in the best way. And when we go so far astray that people are coming to us and asking us, hey, you know, you should be doing this. Why are you doing that? And we keep refusing. God has given us this this other way of protection that is not the last straw. Because the last is the last day when we will be judged. But he's given us this way of the church pulling back and withdrawing socially and spiritually. But withdrawing this attitude of, well, let's just act as if nothing is happening in order to protect us. That says uh, Ephesians 4. That's the wrong passage. Second Thessalonians 3, 15 and 16. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves. Sorry, this is Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Restore him. I'm my brother's keeper. This is Second Thessalonians 3. Again, not Ephesians 4. If anyone doesn't obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Don't regard him as an enemy. Don't treat him like you are despicable. But warn him as a brother. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Doesn't mean they're not hurtful. Doesn't mean they don't hurt. But they're faithful because they're loyal to you. You don't do this kind of thing without love. I mean... I don't know, I guess maybe somebody could, but I can't imagine anything that would get me to do this kind of thing. Because I've done this with people I love. Except really, really loving them more than I love our fun times together and our friendship. So that they may be ashamed. Warn them as a brother. Seventh, God wants us to submit to the church's leaders. We find throughout Scripture this, that, that God puts leaders in place. Even in the Old Testament, he called them shepherds, the kings and the priests. In the New Testament, this term shepherd has even more weight that's put on it, as Jesus Christ calls himself the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, a shepherd, we get this picture of peaceful, easy, not, not hard kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I do. I think because of Psalm 23. Like, oh, just walking in the gentle dew of the grass. But a shepherd was a warrior. Who Think of David, who was fighting off bears and wolves. A shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A shepherd cares deeply about protecting and feeding and nourishing and knowing the sheep so hebrews 13 17 says obey your leaders and submit to them those two words if you if you do a word study on them the the first word has to do with trusting someone in fact earlier in the book of hebrews it's translated trust trusting someone enough to obey them (laughs) You know, because you don't obey somebody that you don't trust. I mean, it's hard to. And then submit has to do with giving someone else the lead seat at the table. So it says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. They care about you, and they are going to give an answer for how they have looked out for you. It's quite a thing to take on. For People like me (laughs) and you. For. For for people who are sometimes. Prone to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, and yet to say, I'm going to look out and try to make sure that you're on the right path as much as I can. looking out for our souls, not our physical training, but that we will have eternal life. Let them do this with joy and not groaning for that would be no advantage to you. It's a true blessing from God. to have someone have people, godly men looking out for our souls. So how do I know if I'm part of a local flock? Well, that relationship gives us a pretty good cue. First you know, Peter 5 verses 1 to 4 talks about this. Acts 20 verses 20 to 27 talks about this relationship where those who are over you are, are invested in and responsible for overseeing and stewarding and shepherding. So if they are going to lead you and be responsible for your soul, they need to know it. And you need, you need to know what they're, where they're trying to lead you. And so there's, there's no like methodology in the Bible that says, here's, here's the five steps of becoming part of a local group. I'll tell you what we do here. You sit down and you talk to the shepherds. And they'll tell you what we're about. And you, they might have some questions for you. You might have some questions for them. And when you both walk away, them knowing that you are part of their flock, and them knowing that you, uh, you are... You knowing... I'm getting all twisted up. You knowing that, that they're those who are leading you. That is, that is the, the foundational relationship in this. And then the, the rest of the church needs to know they are part of this group. And so that's where it starts. But are all churches the same? And so I'll take a point from earlier. God wants Christians to be part of a sound church. You know, I used to think when I was younger, nobody said this. I just like had it in my brain that the actual meaning of the word sound was something like conservative. I don't know, that's just what I got in it. And I'm all for being conservative, but the meaning of this word is much more profound when we get it, what, what Paul says, for instance, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 1 in verse 13, is that we need to hold to the pattern of sound words. Um, he uses this word often to talk about a particular kind of teaching or a particular kind of faith that we hold to. You can see the word hygiene in the Greek word, Hugieno, Um, hygieno, hygieno. um this, this word means sound or healthy or full of wellness. In other words, when we hold faithfully, we grab a hold of the teaching of Christ and we say, we will hold fast to this word because this is a healthy word because it's given by God this is a healthy practice because it's given by God for your good always Deuteronomy says when we do that what it produces is spiritually healthy people so we hold to sound words And it produces a different kind of fruit than the words that we're pushing away. And so you want to be part of a healthy church with the Lord as its focus. Not a perfect church. That's not what this means. There's... A picture in Revelation 2 and 3 of Jesus, starting at the end of chapter 1, where Jesus is surrounded by lampstands. And we find that each of those lampstands represents one of these seven churches. And then he says this warning to one of the churches that they need to repent lest he come and remove their lampstand. What does that mean? In other words, the idea is that it would not be... They were getting so far from his way. You got to think about how far they must have been. Because you read the book of 1 Corinthians. And they were pretty far out there. But they were stepping away from the sound words. And they weren't repenting. Unlike the church at Corinth. Whenever they were taught the right thing. And so they needed to repent. And it's like this final warning. Repent lest I come and remove your lampstand. And you are not one of mine. People might say, oh, yeah, that is, that is a church of those Jesus people. But from God's perspective, from Jesus' perspective, he would say, no, you are not one of mine. So, you know, uh, our sign out front says, North Church of Christ. And and the idea of that what we're just trying to pull it from places like Romans 16:16 16, 16, is that we want to be a church that belongs to Jesus, one of His little groups in the world, burning a lampstand for Him of His presence in the world. You know, it's not about what the sign says; it's about who you belong to, who are you following. And so it's, it's essential that we all are part of, uh, of, of one of these groups of, of God's people. And this is, not a, this is not, if you're wondering, is this a hard sales pitch? Because I've been, I've been coming and, and um, I haven't uh, become a member of the church yet. I want you, everyone here to feel comfortable visiting and... Checking us out and examining us. Take your first steps by by saying, what are they doing? What are they teaching? Who are these people? But don't make that the end in itself, to be like a Christian at large. At some point, you want to find a home somewhere among faithful Christians. But the starting point of all that, of course, before you're a part of a local church, the most important thing is that the lord adds you to his body to the body of the saved and after peter says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of christ for the remission of your sins you receive the gift of the holy spirit says that the lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved we would love for you to be added to our number to the number of the saved day by confessing Jesus Christ as the Son of God, just stating it boldly, I believe Jesus is the Lord, the Christ, the Son of God, and being baptized into him for the remission of your sins.